Hi Candace. Hi Miriam. How are you today? I'm good, good. Good to see you. Good to see you too. <laughs> so we are at it again now. Huh? Yes, we are. Fourth, fourth episode now. Yes. Amazing, amazing. This is so yes. exciting. And it today is. we are going to tackle the topic of parentification and um, the role of the eldest child because that's our mm -hmm. role that's been our role in our families both you and i so mm -hmm. um so that's the topic we're going to talk about today and uh, we decided to talk about this topic because for for people from african descent in africa everywhere in the world this is a big topic because parentification is so immersed in our culture in the way we raise our kids that we don't even know it's a problem you know mm -hmm. it's it's a big deal parentification many many people are parentified because there are conditions that bring about parentification like poverty um if if uh, a parent has mental illness if a, if a kid loses their parents if uh, immigrant parents where the parent doesn't speak a language and then the child enters the role of being the translator, the, the emotional support for the parent. If the parents need to work and they don't have money to pay for daycare and then the kids have to stay home alone. So there are many situations that we find ourselves in, uh, both at home and abroad, that put us in a parentified role. And actually it has consequences. So as usual, so what does the topic say to you of the bat? <laughs> And uh, that topic, I learned the term parentification with you, thankfully. Uh, and it allowed me to put a word of something that I has felt and experienced. But most importantly, being the firstborn has, has always been something that I resented. Uh, it felt like I had a lot of duties, uh, a lot of obligation, very little rights, if any, compared to others. Um, a lot of pressure and a lot of resentment for all some of my other siblings not having the same obligations and and pressure but my aha moments happened very few years ago i realized that i got along very well with firstborns <laughs> people who had the same profile of firstborn as i had because i've always said that there are two types of firstborn you have the typical classical firstborn too many expectations, too many responsibilities, uh, you know, those people who end up being a little bit stressed and controlling in life. <laughs> and you have the other type of firstborn who might as well be the only child who happened to have siblings. Generally, <laughs> that firstborn don't really care about you guys. It's a little bit reckless for some reason. And generally in the family, the younger siblings are being, have been, are being told that if you continue to behave like that, you will end up like your brother, you know? So, but I, I developed a whole theory. I was like, I, I, maybe I should write a book on the first one because with all those people that I get along with, I see way too many common patterns. Even when we had different childhoods, our lives mm -hmm. are more or less different. A lot of us sometimes settle in life later than our youngest brothers because we have too many things to impact more many of us are chronically stressed <laughs> uh, with yeah. some kind of uh, health ish issue related to stress anyway but we do we have 
very respectable backgrounds in general. Professionally, we do what we are supposed to do. We are the perfect incarnation of our parents' dreams, desire, or neurosis, basically. So yeah. it's very exciting to be talking about that today because it's like bringing to life something that has been running in my mind for so many years. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about oh, that. Wow. Oh, it's, uh, you've, you've touched on many, many of the aspects of parentification because parentification is not about, um, it's not about make, it's not only about making a child responsible, which is a good thing, you know, asking, giving a child chores that are age appropriate is good to, to boost their self-esteem, you know, give them a sense of responsibility. That's a good thing. Parentification is something, else. it's some, it's a role that a child takes that is too big for them. It's making them grow up too soon, skip developmental stages. And it's a role reversal. It's something, It's this talk is also linked to episode three on intergenerational trauma because it's something that is across generations where boundaries uh, across generations are not set and roles are invest. You know, the child becomes the parent and then the parent becomes the child a child is five years old and everybody is putting their dreams on them. You will save us from our poverty. You will, and then actually you overwhelm the child. You overwhelm the child because that's not a conversation a child should be having. And in our context, I know we don't know this. It makes adults that have a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure on their shoulders. They don't know how to have fun. They are so serious. They are trying to accomplish. And sometimes you cannot even save your family. You know, and then you have so much shame and guilt trying to please everyone, to please your parents. Parentification comes in two to improve forms. It's what they call instrumental parentification, which is uh, like uh, cleaning the house, paying the bills, cooking, you know, all these uh, roles that a child can take on to make the home function, which is, it could be when a parent is sick, a parent is absent, a parent has died, things like that. And then there's another more subtle form called emotional parentification. It's when a child becomes like the emotional support of the parent or, or of other members of the family. So someone uh, had a bad day at work, they come and they wake the child up and they tell the whole thing to the child. That's not okay. Oh, my child is my best friend. No, your child is not your best friend. Your child is a child. Go find yourself a best friend or a support group on Facebook. Yeah, I, sorry to interrupt. I've recently watched, I don't know if it was a show, I, I believe it was a TV show about someone who said that their mother, when her, their mother, single mom, used to have like bad experiences with guys and this guy did this to me, she would have done that on, on them. And, and, and I think that was, a, and she was complaining about that, like, why now I am worrying about you. I'm a child worrying about my mom, like a parent is supposed to be yeah. about her parents, and yeah, it totally matches emotional uh, parentification. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's very destructive for the development of a child. It's uh, mm -hmm. and I think the worst part is that a child doesn't they don't know their needs, they are so geared towards satisfying the family, what is expected of them, that they don't develop a sense of self, they don't know who they yeah. are. They don't know they, they don't know their needs and they don't know they can even have needs they want they're yeah. so scared to be perceived as needy so they hide mm -hmm. their needs and 
because most of the time to keep the peace of the family they had to there because these parentified children are empaths high high empaths like you and like me because for survivor you had to perceive the mood the adult who is coming home is in is, is my mom in a good mood my uncle and then from there adjust your behavior to make sure you stay out of trouble you know so um so it makes us like highly attuned to the moods of others so we other move. people yeah 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 so when you it's it could be it could be turned into a good skill even at work i'm sure if you see situations at work you enter a room you know what's going on in terms you of feel mood, the energy you know yeah you feel yeah. the energy yeah. you know mm-hmm. sometimes i will see a colleague and say ah there's something going on with you maybe you're in love there's something you know at first i'll be like no 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 and how do you know i'm like i don't know i can just feel it because we've developed that from like early childhood please please mm. go on but it's amazing because i i know i'm an empath and i know i have this high sensitivity and disability to perceive things like i feel discomfort without before even my brain understand what's going on and Sometimes I would wonder, like, maybe some of us are just gifted with something. Maybe it's just genetic. But the way you describe that process of having to become very quickly to other people's mood, energy, behaviors for survival, I have never really considered that empath quality as a consequence of that. But now that you say it, it makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. It's something we had to develop from very early on to be able to survive mm-hmm. to stay out of trouble for in my case to avoid beating so it's uh so it becomes something where we are so much attuned to the energies moods of others but we are not attuned to our own energies and moods because that's how yes. um we were structured you know to be able to survive this uh, uh our home environments even when you hear someone is a child they say oh uh he's he's so he's so he's so matured for his age or her age hmm. he's so grown up he's so wise he, that's all parentification because a normal yes. child should play uh listen yeah. sometimes not listen sometimes go crazy sometimes mm-hmm. you know but if you don't you're not allowed that space that's what you mm-hmm. become you become a mini adult <laughs> you know you yes. become a mini adult yes. and some people don't have those boundaries where you your child is your child and not your friend so they will come and or if they broke up with the boyfriend they will tell everything to the child uh they are having problems financial problems they will dump it all on the child it overwhelms the child's brain it puts the child in fight flight uh freeze it's it's a trauma response you know and the child becomes constantly worried for the parent because the parent the attachment to the parent is so important that mm-hmm. um to know that something is happening to the parent they cannot just listen to it and then go on with their lives like that don't no, it has lifelong consequences you know it has lifelong consequences to to be to be parentified speaking of lifelong consequences you spoke you told about uh your needs i really believe more and more that we are not equal in our ability to communicate assert our needs or set boundaries also comes from that you know like when you have you have you have been told as a parentified child that well 
<laughs> your needs are not the priority uh it then yeah. shows up in your personal life like learning on the spot that you should mm -hmm. be able to communicate your needs in a relationship or you should be you should feel emotionally comfortable to assert some of your standards on bound or boundaries at work when you yeah. have been told for the earliest days of your childhood that you are a tool of yeah. comfort for the entire yeah. community, be it your parents, yeah. your family, or whatnot. It puts you, it doesn't, yeah. it's it's a real setback for the future. So you were about to say oh, something. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I was about to talk about the role of the first child in our culture where often the first child has all the responsibilities. The, the first child is, um, they have to clean, sweep, do everything while the other siblings, they can go about their life and their day. Mm -hmm. And that is really terrible because this child mm -hmm. has no sense of self. This child is a tool uh, for the well-being of the family. And this is something we really have to take care uh, of because for example, I have three daughters. My first daughter, I really take care not to tell her, uh, you're the big sister, why are you behaving like that? You know, because mm. it's already parentifying her because I'm, I want her mm. to behave in a way that I haven't even taught her, but I want her to show mm. mature behavior for her siblings to follow. No, that's something I have mm. to instill. I have to nurture. I have to uh, put in place, you know. So I really take care not mm. to um, overload her. You know, if I yeah. say pick up your toys, all the kids have to pick up their toys. I will not tell my big kid, go clean the floor, clean the stove, clean the fridge, pick up all the toys. Well, you are the big one yeah. here. No, this this yeah. destroys a sibling and as you said, builds resentment towards the other siblings. Why do I have to pick yes. up all the toys when all the others, mm -hmm. they are there playing and then throwing even more toys? You see what I mean? And mm -hmm. these, these kids, when they become adults, um they don't know themselves they feel a lot of shame and guilt mm -hmm. for the things they don't know they, they feel they have to hide you know for example when i was growing up i didn't know I, like candace i didn't know my favorite color i didn't know my favorite dish i didn't know i didn't know anything about myself like I don't like anytime you need to make a choice. It's such a big deal. Like just choose if you eat a sandwich, a tuna sandwich. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, mm -hmm. this is from parenting because you're not connected to yourself. You don't know yourself. It's very close to home for me because I remember that was several years ago. I was still working in Paris and I was I, at that time. I thought I was about to get fired, which I ultimately didn't. Um, I actually got a, pro a promotion, but um, I thought I was about to be fired. And a colleague of mine asked me, if you leave the company, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? Mm. And uh, I was paralyzed. And, uh, I, and I told him, I will figure it out. And it took me like, like three to four days of deep, thoughts of despair like for the first time i knew that i didn't want to i didn't want to work anymore for anybody because i was a little bit traumatized by, by my previous managerial experience as always <laughs> but uh, i knew that i didn't want to work for anybody i wanted to be my own boss or something like that but 
but at the same time, I didn't know what I want. And it's in that season that I realized that I, up to that point, being an adult working, I have never, never, never asked myself what I want because up to that point, I have always done what was expected. Go to school, get your grade, get a degree, move forward, get a job. And I realized that I was like, wow. Some kids out here know what their favorite color is. They know that they want mm -hmm. to be this and that, and they love this and they dislike that. And they're going to do this because they want. And I never allowed myself to be that also because I felt like for my survival, especially being an immigrant in France, like, no, you don't, don't try to be like this cute, rich French kid and follow your intuition or something like that. You're going to be deported back to Cameroon. So it was an aha moment of me. And then it's at that precise pivotal moment that I decided that, you know what, since I'm about to go into a life transition, I'm going to follow my bliss moving forward. I'm going to follow what makes my heart sing and see where it leads me. And I haven't regretted it, but it's, it's another manifestation of not having the luxury of just being a child, basically. And what yeah. you described about the fact that you are asked to do so many things compared to to to, to other kids, it's something that I I, I used to love to talk the Cinderellization, <laughs> Cinderellization. <Yeah. basically. laughs> I love that you yourself. Know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a Disney princess kind of nerd for whatever reason. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> And many firstborn have gone through that, like basically yeah. being a slave for the rest of the family. And it's funny the kind of family dynamics he, it creates because sometimes you will have an exemplary firstborn and you will have other mm -hmm. siblings that are more creative with their lives, um, mm -hmm. sometimes to the despair of the, the, the parentifying parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, whether your 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 journey as a firstborn look ideal or exemplary or not, you generally mm -hmm. are still the most anxious of the entire the entire bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, speaking of uh, resentment, till this day, children that are very cuddled by life mm -hmm. tend to not by, by life, but let's say someone decided to read a story to their child until they're 12 or something like that, it would trigger me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before I didn't realize it was a trigger, I was just critical in my head, like, what is this? This mm. is not a child anymore, da, 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 like, pure judgment. Mm -hmm. And it's with time that I realized that, oh, it's the parentified kid in me that is hurt, yeah. who feels yeah. that, oh, wow, I yeah. wasn't read stories yeah. when I was a kid. What does yeah. that say about me? How about me? You know, you have a yeah, grown yeah. woman yeah. that has yeah. a child inside looking yeah. at, a f I remember when I was five years old, there were other kids mm -hmm. in my classroom, their parents would give them orange juice in a mm -hmm. baby bottle. Mm -hmm. I was already the, 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 the elder sister of two boys and there were so many things in my home that there were no place place for baby bottle in my life or for neither for orange juice you see what i mean and yeah. i resent those kids 
Like, mm -hmm. what do you think? You are not a baby. Like, I wanted to smash their bottles, basically. Yeah. It may reflect in the way some people raise their kids. Like, mm -hmm. sometimes if you have been a parentified parent and you didn't realize it, it could turn, it could, if you are not careful, turn you into a not so loving parent because you, do, you don't know any better. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And um, speaking of that resentment, uh, I also had, I had this, mine was mostly like envy, you know, like envying those kids. Like I would look at them on our way, and like I'm on foot going to school. I would see them enter their cars with their parents, with their eyeglasses there, you know, taken care of, taken mm. to school. They had their lunch or whatever. And then I was there walking hungry. You know, just looking at them, like, why could I not be just like you for, you know, for a little bit? Even till today, yeah. my, as you said before, my inner child still gets uh, triggered. Like, I was looking at the, yeah. pro, the Instagram profile of this um, this journalist, uh, a black journalist from CNN. I saw her, I'm like, oh, she's so beautiful. Let me go check on Instagram to see <laughs> how she looks like. And then, so as I'm looking, I see she has a photo of her parents. She said, oh, my parents um, married 42 years ago. And uh, I was like, wow, like totally triggered, oh, like in total admiration that how do you even have parents? And how do your parents marry 42 years ago? And she was saying that mm -hmm. normally they would celebrate together, but because of a blizzard, they cannot celebrate with us. Like, wow. And they celebrate together. You know, it's like, but it's the child in me who never had those steps who never had her birthday celebrated, who 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 was like turned into a, a mini house cleaner, cooker or whatever, selling in a bar and everything. And because we were just the two of us um, changing from one caregiver to the other, I naturally mm -hmm. became like the parent of my sister, trying to protect mm -hmm. her from beatings, from this, from that. It doesn't mm -hmm. make you a very fun child. I mean, like when I was yeah, 18, 13 years old, I didn't know how to have fun. I knew how to go to school, cook clean, you know? Yeah. People, yeah. I remember this girl. So there was this uh, um, teenage magazine in uh, Switzerland and France called Jeune et Jolie. I know yeah, it, I, I've read it one myself <laughs> back in the days, yes. <laughs> so they were, everyone in my class was excited when I moved to Europe. They wanted. They were. They were waiting for school to be out to go and buy a a, a, jeune, a copy of Jeune et Jolie. Ha! I go. They buy it. I go through it. I don't even see. But why do you buy it? What is it for? Goodness! <laughs> I, I could not figure. What is interesting in this? <laughs> I just didn't understand. That's that's parent. You don't even like. You don't have. You don't have. You don't even know who you are. There's something you said before about when you said you thought you were going to be fired, but instead you got a promotion. That's the extent to which we don't know ourselves. Imagine how you saw it. You saw it that you were going to be fired, but actually, no, it's a promotion. Because we, we have a hard time seeing the person we are. It's kind of like a dysmorphia. We, we have a hard mm. time seeing the skills we have, seeing seeing the, the greatness, quote unquote, we can be because of parentification, mm -hmm. because we don't know ourselves. We didn't go through those yeah. stages where you try this, you try that, no, it's not this. You know, my, my sister, she went through a lot of uh, stages in her teenage years, but I was like, 
the perfect, I mean, perfect, like I didn't have any crisis, like zero um, teenager, not like, you know, I did my stuff. I studied very serious. Everybody said, wow, we are the same person. she's so great. She's no, no. Like now with this knowledge, we know that kid in, in your life or in your family or in your vicinity who is always quiet, so well behaved, please look mm -hmm. into that kid. Please come look a bit closer because it's not normal, you know? You know, something that really saved me was the fact that my father had a creative soul. So he loved to read and he loved music. So because he loved mm -hmm. to read and he loved music, I also got the, those traits, I, I guess, in an attempt to connect with him. And mm -hmm. these were the things that, these were the, where my fun came from. You know, I was just mm -hmm. exactly like you. And, uh, but I love music and I love mm -hmm. reading, which, which is why actually I ended up reading those uh, Jeune et Jolie from times to times. But I wasn't interested in the whole teenage thing. I, I was reading it like a therapist trying to understand the mind of other teenagers and the mistakes mm. they wanted to make and, and <laughs> judging them while reading like, yeah. those white girls. There is a lot of nonsense over there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't like, oh my God, there is a David Charvet poster. And I know it wasn't like that. It was more, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I was totally that person and I'm totally, um, I totally agree with you. Do you have the impression that, because what you said about work and the dysmorphia, uh, mm -hmm. this inherent feeling of being not good enough, do you think it's connected to parentification as well? Oh yeah, most definitely. It leaves you with low self-esteem. You, you have the impression that everyone is doing well except you. You know, especially because you always feel like you feel lazy, you do so much, but you feel you're lazy and then you try to hide it. You know, you try to hide it and then you feel lost, which is the consequence of not knowing your needs. So you feel lost. So you feel like, oh, my God, in high school, I did everything. Uh, I just I just managed to put myself in a, in a context where um, I want uh, I could let the people around me influence me. To, to be able to explain. So I, there were many things I knew I did not want to become, you know, but what I wanted to become, I had no idea, Candace. So I knew I wanted to go to university. What to study, I don't know. So I would put myself in a class, in a high school class with kids from those good families I admired. And then I would just be making my choices based on what they did. Oh, uh, they're doing their driving license. Well, I guess it's time to do my own driving license. Oh, they're choosing their courses for university. Well, I guess let me choose some courses just like them. So that's that was my standard. It didn't come from me. I didn't have a, a role model in my life, anyone I could follow, anyone who inspired me. I didn't have a mentor who could tell me, oh, you know, if you study psychology, it will bring you to this. If you study, I didn't know anything. And I was ashamed to, to look for help, to ask for help, to say, actually, I don't know, which is one of the consequences of verification. We're so ashamed to say we don't know, to express ourselves. We, we, yeah, so we hide it and then we struggle so, so much, you know? I yeah. can totally relate to that because with the not being comfortable saying that you don't know. And the worst part was me coming to France uh, for business school and having my first work experience in a French company and someone explaining something to you and you don't understand anything. 
like this is not clear and because i had the dysmorphia had i knew at the time i would say what you said is not clear because inherently the person mm -hmm. wasn't clear and structure in the way they explained things yeah. but the mm -hmm. <laughs> not so self-aware person i was at the time uh was i i'm so stupid i didn't got anything yeah <laughs> and they will ask me yeah. did you understand and i'll be like yes and in my heart i was like yeah. no but i have to figure it out because yeah. i was also yeah. naturally scared afraid of authority i think yeah. it's that part of my african background having the sense that if you say no, you're going to get slapped in the face. So you rather for your own survival, pretend that give the person what they need. You, whatever they're yeah. saying, when they ask you, you, did you get it? What they want you is to say you did. So you do. Yeah. And then you try to figure out uh, afterwards. Uh, yeah, these yeah. were the, some of the painful moments of my, my working career, um, outside of Africa, basically. Uh, and it took me, so many years uh, yeah. to get to a place where I could stand, I could stand in front of someone, whether it's a manager or so NBA, I didn't get it. Can you rephrase it, please? Yeah. I did not get yeah. it because at some point I realized that, mm -hmm. but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I'm yeah. not stupid. So yeah. <laughs> at last you realized, right? I'm telling yeah. you, to me, people will, yeah. will be surprised how long, it took me to yeah. internally accept that mm -hmm. I'm not stupid. I totally relate to what you said uh, of feeling that, accepting that you're not stupid. And instead of just seeing that actually the person didn't express themselves clearly, you take it personally because you already have this low self-esteem, this low self-worth that you're not enough, you don't know enough. So even when something is not clear, like, you know, rationally not clear. We take it personally. It's us. It must be us. It's something everybody understands except us. And in that shame and guilt and a lot of suffering and a lot of stress, a lot of stress. Imagine trying to do a task when you haven't understood the the um, the instructions. It's it's. Imagine the stress it puts on you because you want to do well. You think that if you don't do well, you'll be fired. Well, yeah, it's a nightmare actually, and that's been my career actually. <laughs> that's been my career stressing for this and that yeah <laughs> for know? nothing using for your nothing. brain and your energy and your yeah. health and your peace of mind yeah. you know yeah yeah researching for six hours something that you could just ask and say but ask. when you said when you talked about this did you mean this and then the person will tell you and then you just do the you know you try to figure it all because it will, it will look stupid and Oh my God, like what's suffering, you know? And maybe it was the case for you, but I know also that for me, the race factor played a huge role. Oh yeah. Because there was yeah. also a part of me who'd be like, oh, you don't want to be that one African girl who did not get it and who is asking questions, mm -hmm. who is lost, etc. Like yeah. people will assume that because you come from Cameroon, you are less than smart. Yeah. So they, they, they were a, a, a little bit of, it, it didn't help, you, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. to the self, to be assertive or dare asking questions. And, and yeah. that's a shame, especially because I arrived in France in a time when it was when uh, Nicolas Sarkozy was president and there were increased, an increased intensity of narrative yeah. revolving around 
the blacks and the Arabs should go back to where they belong, basically. So yeah. I came willing to shrink myself and pretend yeah. I was the most invisible person possible mm -hmm. just to survive. So yeah. when you have those kind of background, you have that parentification background plus such context, yeah. it's just like, yeah. Talking about parentification, the, what they were, they, they were, I saw a quote on the internet on the first one, you know, that in Africa, especially the, in African community, like your firstborn, ideally a boy, yeah, but your firstborn should carry your legacy and da da da, yeah. the firstborn, etc. And you had that guy who said that, why aren't you mm -hmm. your own legacy? Yeah. Do oh, you know I the thought... name of Shakespeare's <laughs> son? Let's say the power to that guy. <laughs> Yes, I mean, okay. whoever you are, send us no, an email. Please, please, we send you a venture from wine bottle because you have spoken. <laughs> no, like I yeah, read yeah. That, that post and I was like, yes, sir. Like, yeah. why aren't you your own yeah, legacy? Yeah. Why yeah. do you yeah. put the responsibility or, on a child, whether a boy yeah. or a girl, to yeah. achieve what, what you didn't achieve for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. How unfair is that? Like, yeah. oh, you're How that unfair. lazy. Yeah. You know, thank you. Thank I really you. think that people, honestly, like, people should either come to peace with what they didn't do with their life yeah. Yeah. or be courageous enough to strive for it instead yeah. of being like, oh, I always yeah. wanted to be a doctor. I wasn't, yeah. but you will be like, it doesn't. Yeah. And mind you, sometimes the people they are in their twenties. They, they sometimes oh, people haven't hit thirties. Their thirties yet, and they're telling that to their kid. You will be the doctor. Um, uh, no, at 30, 50, even sixty, you can still go to medical school. You know. Oh yes, people if just you really like, wanted, yeah. Give up, give up on your themselves, because we have to be lifelong learners. But people sometimes they just give up on themselves, and then they put all the the consequences on their on their child or. There's they, in a, a few siblings that we choose one who is like smart in school and groom him. He will be the one saving the whole family. He will be the one who will go study in Europe and send all the money back home. Or, or one who is like good in business and, you know, can do stuff. They say, oh, you take the days up road, go to Europe because you are the hope of this family. That is not fair. That destroys it's people. Not. It's no. not. I saw, I saw this video on YouTube of this man, it was a Nigerian man in the US who had died. And his friend was speaking at his burial and he was like really super emotional. He said, this man died not because um, of himself, it's because he wanted to please his family and his friends back home. He was working, I don't know how many jobs, around the clock, not going out, not having fun, not doing nothing for himself, sending money back home. That this is what has killed this man, you know? And that touched me so much because that's the that's the perfectly parentified adult who takes that role. They call it compulsive caregiving, you know. Give, give, give and not receive anything because that's how you've been programmed by parentification, by your community, by your family. So you give, give. So the life is like sacrifice, like you sacrifice the life of a person to be mm -hmm. able to have the life you want, to have that car, that house. And then that person doesn't matter. Like, how fair is that? It's not fair. It's not fair. Imagine that. And many people, many people in our culture, they are ready to have 
to, yeah, it's okay. He's sending money to his family. It means he loves his family. But does his family love him? Oh, that's an excellent question. That's an excellent mm -hmm. and relevant question. And it's funny how you see some family leaders, like with a full home, a wife, children, etc., still being trapped in that compulsive, compulsive yeah. caregiver uh, trap, yeah. not being able yeah. to make decisions for himself and his self-interest. Like the programmation is yeah. so deep that 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 is part of yeah. his of hers or her identity basically and it always mm -hmm. fascinated me to see people be like no but the priority is to send money back home because you know because you know and yeah. it wouldn't make sense to me you know like as as parentified as i am i think mm -hmm. at some point i went to a stage where i'm like I have to say I was lucky enough not to be sent abroad by my family. That's the thing. Like I, there's no such thing as a self-made uh, person, but I had to kind of <laughs> be resilient and hustle, etc., to go and study abroad. So I wasn't like groomed and then put in an airplane, like, oh, here you are going with all our savings and you have to, etc. So and I was already very lucid about the flaws and qualities mm -hmm. of my own family. So I wasn't in a place where I'll be able to be that type of compulsive caregiver, which I was to some extent to my younger brothers, be like, okay, I need to help them find another school. I hope to, yeah. to mentor them and tutor them and, and maybe send them money yeah. to be able to get to this school, et cetera, et cetera. And at some point I realized that sometimes I wanted things harder than they wanted. And yeah. Around the same time, I realized that I didn't know what I wanted at work. You remember um, mm -hmm. that incident. I also realized that maybe obsessing about my brother's mistakes or the things they are not doing for themselves is a way not to invest in myself. Because at the end of the day, I don't have any children. Why am I making drama around the choice of grown men? young adults yeah. but still grown men over there in Cameroon like I need to focus yeah. to take that energy back to myself and maybe invest in getting to know me and doing things for me a little bit better but it's yeah. funny I think that that compulsive caregiving you just mentioned yeah it's a little bit of a plague of to the the African diaspora uh yeah it's yeah to, uh, community you know it is it is um in my family my mom was i think was a really big compulsive caregiver she was so well programmed that she she ran around she was the one who had a job and she was giving money, taking care of she has like eight uh, brothers and sisters taking care of everyone you know um giving money here giving it's been like it's, it's taken all her life to say, and it's, there's no end to it. Yet you're enabling entitlement. You make people entitled. In life, everybody struggles, fails, stand, stop. Try, you try this, it doesn't work, you try this. No, they don't go do all of that. Why? Because they are waiting for you to just send them the money. You, know? you cannot raise a family when someone is working and is not even the CEO of a company in Europe and you have like... The two wives and, and four kids and then the person has to send you money and then send the other sister who has seven kids it's not going to work 
it's not going to work. I remember when I first returned to Cameroon, one of my uncles who <laughs> was not in his 30s took me in a room. He said he has something important to tell me. And he told me that I, 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 I have to follow in my mother's footsteps and become the walking stick of this family, that the, the, the future of this family is on me because I am in Europe and I will be the walking stick of this family. I knew better than to insult him because he could have beaten me up. I said, oh, is that so? Yeah, okay. Thank you, uncle. I've heard you, you know? And then I went back. I told my mother, I'm like, don't send money to them anymore. Like, if you want to send, you're not helping them. You're not helping them. They could maybe do, they could maybe uh, be a buy and seller, you know, buy uh, food crops. Like they, they could, could be resourceful. They, they could be resourceful. Yeah, but you have this entitlement you're making people live a life you don't live in europe you you're making buying phones for them you will never own because it's too expensive what kind i mean that's it's not helpful it's not helpful you know and so of course i refuse the role but the programmation of this <laughs> parentification is so big because my uncle always wanted me to become a doctor and even though i was not self-conscious at the time in 30 of high school I refuse. I, I realized actually I don't I don't like I studied science, I was good at it, but I don't like it. What I like is mm -hmm. words, literature, uh, English, you know, language. So I, I like I totally switched. I went from uh, uh, science, chemistry, biology to language, you know. Yeah. And even though I didn't understand, it was maybe a way of freeing myself, one step, like a first step of freeing myself, like okay, you know. But up until then, maybe you don't even realize that these people don't have a hold on you anymore. And you keep on in the narrative in the, of the parentified child. And many people in Europe, they don't live their lives because they are so busy fulfilling that image for their parents. For their, mm. Because with the compulsive caregiving, you're so used to giving everything to just find a little bit of peace that mm. as an adult, you give, you give, you give just for your family to consider you. And that's what feeds you. But the thing is, mm. you have to consider yourself. That's what should be, you know? But it's funny how you see people, the choice people make of, for example, who they should marry is sometimes mm. a consequence of that, that programmation, you know, like as a compulsive caregiver, how do I choose a partner that fits to, with their agenda yeah. and their needs, not with mine, yeah. so that yeah. I end up in a relationship yeah. with someone with whom I'm not a good fit and that I will end up mm -hmm. maybe resenting, maybe cheating on or, or, or whatnot, or just grow a very unhappy family with because we need to fit the needs of other people. And, and same yeah. with work, etc. And I, I find it fascinating how it works. And I, and I love the idea that you were already self-aware enough to just mentally be like, hmm, okay, I'm out. Because many people, uh, and I have the thing that is even worse for men, you know, because they are prone to have that African male ego at times. Mm -hmm. It's such a trick, you know, a manipulative trick, like, okay, now you are the pride of the family. Now you are the successor or whatnot, et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden, yeah you are actually the slave. <laughs> you think you are the king, yeah. but ultimately you yeah, are yeah. the slave. Like 
now your money is going to be our money your time is going to be our time and you will have a say in your personal matters like why did your wife have a daughter instead of a boy or something like that and i would love african people and especially african men to free themselves from that like "Mm." no just like you did be like "Mm, i'll pass that's good that's good and beyond deciding of not pursuing medicine uh, as a curriculum was that the, the the i would say the most powerful time where you like divorce your parentified child in a way or were there other instances where you realize like huh this is so out of who i thought i was you know the cooperative submissive i think the the difficulty with this the way we are raised uh, let let me speak for cameroon but i think it's in our culture in africa as a whole but Mm. the way we are raised to be submissive um, listen to adults, not respond like as a sign of respect. Um, it doesn't serve us when we go abroad, where you need to have a voice, know who you are, make decisions based on like you know uh, a, a strong inner core. We don't have, so we come. You in meetings, you have to be assertive. You have to say things, but you were raised not having a voice. For me, like at one point. I couldn't speak unless I was spoken to. So I, I would sit in the living room there, not saying anything until if an adult say, go, go bring me a glass of water. Can you imagine? And then after I have to come uh, in the corporate world, in banking, and then I'm like, you know, so, no, you know, my self-esteem was always fluctuating. Days I would force myself and then I would look so confident. But I would be so tired because that was not the real me, right? <clears throat> With all these problems inside of me. But um, for my uncles is that I saw that they were young. Some of them were just a few years older than me. And they wanted me, they were telling me I was the walking stick of the family. That didn't make sense to me. (laughs) I was like, no, you're a young man. You're stronger than me. You could go work. You don't do anything. You want me to go work in Europe and send me money? No, you know, it's just even in just that, it it didn't make sense to me. And given the fact that they had beaten me so much when I was growing up, I didn't want to serve the agenda, you know. But one of my uncles who was who scared me a lot, um, the one who wanted me to, to study medicine, I think I think it was in different parts. Uh, one, at one point, uh, he said I should marry him for him to come to Europe. Can you imagine? I was so heartbroken. I told my mother, I'm like, no, he wants to destroy my life. If I marry him for him to come to Europe, the day I meet my own husband. So what would I be explaining to him? That that's shady. Oh, I married my uncle so that he can come to Europe. My uncle who, who went to Europe and decided to go back home without getting documents. Now I have to marry him for him. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's so boundaries. This brings me yeah. right to boundaries. So, okay. Solutions, some tips. Yes. As usual, the first step is what? Awareness. Mm -hmm. Awareness, reading about parentification. We put some resources on on free your people. Being aware of what parentification is, of the ramifications in your life. And 
getting to know ourselves through meditation, journaling. I don't know, like you could try to ask yourself questions. So um, what's my favorite color? Um, Mm. what like if I had a room to decorate what would I put in what color what do mm. I think things like just playing with your mind a little bit like mm. digging deep to see what excites you know and also play learning how to play to have fun sing out loud for no good reason dance silly you know uh, like just to, to learn to be like a human being you know um, exercise to learn to be in your body, to be in the present, you know, and also setting boundaries. Boundaries are important. Setting boundaries, making everybody know where your boundaries are, not accepting things because with the parentified child, we so want for people to accept us to think we are good people that we we know we don't like it, but we say yes, no. Say no when you mean no, and say yes when you mean yes, you know. You can say it gently, but so that you honor the person you are, you know, so that you honor the person you are. And um, realize when you're doing compulsive uh, caregiving in relationships, because that's the thing, we carry that into relationships. And the consequence is that we become resentful because we do so many things for, people, for loved ones that they didn't ask for. And when they are not grateful, we become uh, resentful and hateful. And they think that they don't do anything for us and stuff. <clears throat> but the thing is, they didn't ask for it, you know. So like letting people, yeah, letting people solve their problems. And even and if it did, you had the choice to say no. That's it. But since that's the way we think, we, like the, we get a little bit of attention, so we do yes. that. We do all the compulsive, all, uh -huh. and then after mm -hmm. when we don't get the recognition we think we should be getting, then we start getting upset. So it's about yeah. focusing more on the self, getting to know the self to, because yeah. for example, if you're a parent, you want to, I, I read this um, coach that I follow. She said, what dreams do you have for your child? Like write down a few things, like the dreams you have for your child. Okay. You write down the dreams. You say, okay, that list, you take it and you apply to yourself. You, you start now. There we go. There we go. Yourself. Working on yourself there for that list. Because it's you, you as the, you're the model, the role model for your child, like it or not. They don't believe what you say. They believe what you do. They see everything. What you embody. When you do that work, what you embody. When you do that work and show up as mm -hmm. what you would want them to be, they will be that person mm -hmm. they see you. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the person they see, that's what they will become. So I, I found that really powerful, actually, you know, to write those dreams uh, you have for your own child and then to mm -hmm. try to embody, it, you know, integrate yeah. it in your own life. Yeah. Yeah. I know you also have tips. Yes, I do. They're, but they are very, they are, I would say, extension of of tips that you you already said uh what you said for example about boundaries um mm -hmm. i told that i said that in another episode and i'm going to say it again you need to learn the beautiful art of disobeying your parents disobey yes. your parents for god's sakes disobey your uncles disobey the village find yeah. a cute way um 
find a very friendly way to say, sorry, I'm not going to do that, basically. In extension, when you don't know how to enforce your boundaries, to say no, whether it's with your parent, your community, your boss or people, you can do something that I've learned to do, is to have scripts, basically. Mm -hmm. You use scripts, you, you think about all the situations when a friend in a negotiation, a business negotiation, or otherwise tells you something and you are tempted to say a yes, that is not the real yes, Take mm -hmm. your time, go into your laboratory, because if you are a parentified child, you are a novel thinker anyway, and mm -hmm. script what you will say in a non-emotional way to say, mm -hmm. thank you, but no, thank you. And I've mm -hmm. learned that art and it's so freeing. Uh, the first yeah. time you are afraid because you're afraid that because you said no, the person will be unhappy or something like that. But mm -hmm. with those scripts and those prompts, uh, it allows you to naturally develop something that you didn't develop as a child. Uh, one thing that yeah. I think helps a lot is to become very open mind and expand your network. Network yeah. as much as you can yeah. outside of your comfort zone. Diversify yes. your experiences, meet new people, study elsewhere. Hang out with people outside of your tribe, for Christ's sake. Um, yes, do that yes. in order to have another perspective of who you are and who you can be. You will see yes. that you will meet some people who will like you just for you who you are without you having to do anything right. for them. You will have you will yes. meet people who will want to take care of you. And you'll be like, oh, mm -hmm. me? And yeah. it will give you extra tools to free yourself from that programmation as a firstborn or a parentified child. And make sure yeah. to, if you want to know who you are and you don't really don't know where to start, simply nurture your curiosity. Whatever you are mm -hmm. sometimes curious about, nurture it. Read more books, mm -hmm. watch more YouTube videos, yeah. make time, join the club, go and learn yeah. it. And who knows what you will discover about who you are. You don't have yeah. to give a notification to your origin community about what you're going to do, because what they will tend to do naturally, yeah. even without bad intention, is to be like, oh, no, no, you shouldn't do that. This is a yeah. white people's thing. This is not that? something we do. Like, what? That just stay with us, basically. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to yeah. give them a notification, go and do your own experiences and God knows what you will find. That happened to me, mm -hmm. for example, last year, I was so stressed and I was starting to hate my life. I was like, wait, you are living in the city that you're happy to live in. You have a job that from the outside world is perceived as very prestigious and glamorous. You're alive and you're healthy, but you're unhappy. So what can you do? And I mm -hmm. randomly realized that I've always loved Zouk music and as a consequence, Kizomba because the rhythm are very similar. And I bumped into people dancing on um, in Paris on the border of the, the La Seine River. Uh, and I was mm -hmm. like, I wish I could know how to dance like that. And on the whim, I decided to start Kizomba classes. Mind you, Miriam, I've mm -hmm. never taken classes that were not intended to propel me economically yeah. or professionally. Uh, or health-wise, like with a functional role. If it's not functional, yeah. it doesn't shouldn't have a space in your schedule because that's a waste of time. That's what people with multi-generational yeah. wealth do. Uh, but yeah. I did it, and yeah. it taught me so much more about myself. And I'm pretty sure that even in the tiniest way, it had an impact of me. Decided that 
I want to be happy and I don't want to die wondering what if, what would have happened if I got yeah. the courage to just take a break from being an employee and follow my dream and nurture yeah. all those passions that I had on the side. So disobey your parents, expand your network, nurture your curiosity and figure out who you could be because you never know if you have six hours, six days or 60 years to, 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 to of life expectancies uh, remaining. So, yeah. That's it. Yeah, I, uh, I love it. I love all what you said, you know. And uh, as you said, that you want to be happy. We want to be happy. I want to be happy. And we deserve to be happy. Yeah, our happiness is as important as the happiness of our families, our friends, our kids. We also deserve to be happy as, uh, as uh, parentified children. We are not only tools. We are also vessels that came into this universe to also express ourselves freely and be the, the best we can for ourselves too first and for others, you know. And uh, as you said, I love that disobey your parents, disobey your uncles, disobey anybody who will tell you that finding yourself is a bad thing. Disobey that person, you know, and go find yourself because it's so important. Yeah, yourself is waiting for you. Yourself is waiting for you when we're there uh, looking outside for all the validation, it will never fill the void. Trust us, we've been there. <laughs> we've tried. Uh, <laughs> we, we really tried. You know? <laughs> we've been there. And I'm trying to uh, save you some time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and these conversations are so important. And yeah. you bring so much to the people. We don't, like, for me, I see today as, what I owe, who I owe something to are my kids I brought into this world. They didn't ask for anything. So I owe them to raise them the best way they are. But you know what? I don't see them as owing me anything. They don't owe me anything. They didn't ask to come into this world. Of course, when they grow up, I hope we'll be close. I hope we'll be a neat family. But I'm investing into that like i'm nurturing them I, I don't i want them to develop their critical thinking oh okay so you think this is better mm, so why why do you think that you know and then what about this aspect have you seen this so do you think this you know so that slowly you start finding logic in things seeing what is better or not not me just telling you it's better that's it you know but like yeah develop the critical mind to build them as you know, strong, independent human beings. And uh, yeah, but I don't expect them to be like, oh, you be, you have to buy me a house when uh, I'm old, take care of me. No, I, I will try. I hope like that God gives me the, the power. I will try to do that for myself. Save my money for when I'm old, you know, not wait that my kids burden them. They, they haven't started university. They already have to take care of their parents buy a car for their uncle. No, that's not, you don't make people. No, it's not working. People don't become their best selves. They're too burdened, you know. Actually, it reminds me of something that I forget to mention uh, during uh, the episode about uh, your own dream versus the dream that people have put on you and the dream you try to, to put on your children. Sometimes even the idea of your uncle wanting you to become a doctor or someone who should have become a doctor wanting someone to become a doctor. You need to question what is behind the doctor. Sometimes mm -hmm. it goes deeper than that. What does being a doctor represent 
for you? Does it represent financial security? Does it represent prestige? What does it represent? And in what way can you get it in your life without pressurizing yourself to go into a field that is not a great fit for you? Like whether you are that 55 years old, mother or father that is trying to pressurize a kid to become something it doesn't want to become. You can analyze that dream for yourself and figure out, even if you don't want to go back to med school at 55, whatever you will, you were looking in the doctor label, create that for yourself. But it takes a little bit of creative thinking, maybe coaching or something like that, but it works for every age. Sometimes people were like, oh, I want to work for this bank. I want to work for that, et cetera. But if you pinpoint the need and the emotional and the social need behind, you will end up finding a career or a life choice that works much better for you. And what you said about nurturing your daughters and teaching them critical thinking, et cetera. Thinking about, for example, the person who is trying to deplete themselves as a compulsive Mm. caregiver for making things work for everybody but themselves, I realize Mm. that sometimes, not only by not playing that role, you allow people, you force people to be resilient and creative and autonomous, but you can do Mm. something that is even more effective, even not as direct, is live your best life for them to have inspiration and to aspire to become as happy and wholesome as you are. That's a great way to help them become the best version of yourself rather than being miserable and feed into their mediocrity, lack of resources or whatever is their issue. So I I, I was actually inspired by what you said about your daughters and people vastly underestimate the power of filling your cup before trying to tend to people's needs. And sometimes the best way to make people aim for something better in their life is already for you to be the best version of yourself possible. So I hope it gets it gets people thinking. Anyone empty doesn't have anyone. It doesn't have anyone. It doesn't have the people you want to have. It doesn't have you. And we have to understand that we are not responsible for the happiness of our family members. We are all individually responsible for our own happiness, you know? And of course we can nurture, coach and love our kids so that they would love themselves and become happy. But we are not responsible for making our moms, dads, uncles and uh, everybody uh, smile and and, and be happy. Um, and you know, being a compulsive caregiver never stops because the, the entitlement mentality keeps people in a thing that they don't go looking for stuff themselves. So the, the giving never stops. And then so you deplete yourself You run on empty, as that book says, you know, and it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help anyone. So we have to change that. We have to change that, especially when you can get to Europe you have to be like you know everyone else and you 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 come into this like you you went to a, to a to a prestigious business school with people who were like groomed to know themselves know what they want and you're there fighting all these demons and then you have to show this face and then go for it it's a lot to carry it's a lot if we can start by undoing it undoing it from childhood even for the kids growing up today it's all the same thing 
we, we don't take into account the character of the child. Like my three daughters, they all have different characters. You know, we come and impose. You, you are going to be a doctor. You, you are going to be an engineer. And what if they want to be an artist? Hmm? You did you notice that they have a natural talent for drawing? No, it doesn't matter. You know, because you want that child to just be a format of the dream you have for yourself. And you're right. People can you can get coaching or something and figure out what being a doctor means to you. And then maybe there's something you can do in that kind of field, even if you don't want to go to medical school, to make that dream come a reality for yourself. Children keep secrets. That's not uh, children shouldn't be uh, secret keepers for the family. You know, um, if it's already to the level where it's a secret, it's not for a child. You know, discuss it with another adult. Yeah, don't put it on a child. Yeah, we have to know this and know these boundaries and know the consequences that they are lifelong. You know, anxiety, depression, low self-esteem. These are things that people who were parentified have to battle through their lives. And uh, but there are tools to get out of it. And some people uh, in the research and many things I've, I've looked into. Many people who were parentified, they choose not to even have children. Why? Because some of them, especially this first, uh, the firstborn, they took care of small kids and some just get triggered by hearing a baby cry. They go into pan a panic attack. They don't want to ever be near a baby because of the role they had. That's not fair. That's not fair, right? That was honestly the case for me. Uh, as a child and as a teenager, I really didn't like babies. Like that thing that people have like, oh, a baby is like, I couldn't, I didn't want yeah. to. Like I was feeding bottle, babysitting and changing diapers yeah. at age six and seven. And I thought it was normal. And when I became normal. a grown up, I realized that I wouldn't even leave my baby with a 15 years old let alone yeah, six, right. seven years old. And six, and it's very true that many firstborn that I, I, I know, they are not the earliest to have children when they have any. And it's, yeah. uh, it's unfair. That's why this podcast is called Free Your People. Free yeah. the firstborn yeah. and the parentified yeah. child. Free yourself yeah. and free your children. Yeah. Being aware that being parentified is trauma. It takes a lot of time. It takes the, the, uh, the parentified child realizes the trauma later, if they realize at all that they were parentified program um, and that all what they think is wrong with them is nothing. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, they're as valid as any, anybody else. Their needs are as valid as anybody else and they live they, they live in shame and they hide um, and they don't share who they really are um, because of, uh, of parentification. But it takes, so most of the time, they realize they were parentified way later, you know, into adulthood. Yeah. And also it makes you tired. I remember when I was like 18 years old, I was tired of life. I had lived such a full life. I remember in 2000, I was looking at 2010, I was like, wow, that's so far away. How do you manage to live so long? Can you imagine? It comes from parentification. Mm. Your sense mm. of time is what? You know, your mm. sense of time, you, 
the way you perceive time, it's very, mm. it's, uh, it, even that it destroys that. Uh, it destroys mm. that. That's uh, for another podcast, but that's, uh, it changes the way you perceive time. And so you're mm. already tired. You're like, but I, I remember I used to tell myself, but living up to, up to 2010, what will I be doing all those years? Can you imagine? Mm. You're like 18 years yeah. old and you're thinking like that. That comes from parentification. I can relate to the tiredness aspect of it. And it's something I'm still battling with. I have to be honest. Uh, there are some moments and I've had these since I was a child. I was literally tired of living. Being alive yeah. was too hard. Thinking was too hard. Life was too, too much. And uh, yeah. it comes and goes as waves, but uh, those are very tough moments. And, and, and people don't realize the extent to which those things yeah. impact you on a day-to-day -day basis and you are a dysfunctional person with a very <laughs> functional appearance. But uh, oh, yeah. those things run deep and these are necessary pain and destruction to carry. Like some people just live their lives and some people like us are battling like just the mere fact of being alive and functioning adults is a functioning human being sometimes is yeah. just too Miraculous. much because people were not educated yeah. enough to raise us as okay. we should have. But the good thing is that we have the empathy and the awareness and the courage <laughs> to yeah. preach the gospel of self-awareness, of true freedom, of achieving your truest purpose and not being trapped into your family dynamics. So we hope that people with this uh, very special episode get tools to look at their lives differently, to look at their mm -hmm. siblings, parents, children differently and start taking even tiny actions, reading books, yeah. all those words that you have learned today, compulsive caregiving, parentification, yeah. and all that. Just go Google them, watch with YouTube video, buy books on them, yeah. follow coach, take tiny actions. And six months, one year, six year, whatever your future self will thank you that yeah. 70 years old person full of bitterness and regret will thank you for taking those actions today so when you're an adult and the energy you have that you could invest in your life you know you don't have it anymore like for me it's a struggle every day to be a parent because i have so many triggers so 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 much pain and hurt and it's sad that I lived a life where I was so parentified. And then now that I have my own kids that I could give them the best of me, I'm, I'm not giving them the best of me because of parentification. So, but the, the good thing is that we, we are aware of this and we have to fight for the life we want to live. It's a real fight. It's a real struggle. Like you really have to take it on yourself to fight, to, to get rid of like, know how to manage your emotions and everything to be your best self to live in the present so that um all the good the god is good things could you know influence the people around you your kids your spouse and everything so people fight for the life you want to live you know and disobey your parents uncles <laughs> as my dear candace just said Absolutely. thank you so much thank you so much thank you for the conversation i don't know 
you have anything else to add before we conclude? No, I think no. we'll be all good. And hopefully this is a long journey. So we will have endless opportunities to come back and deep dive into it anyway. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you so much. It was a fantastic conversation. So good. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye-bye.